In today's episode, we're going to be talking about multi-classing in Dungeons and Dragons, so stay tuned. Hey folks, I hope that all is well today. I want to talk about multi-classing in a tabletop role-playing game such as Dungeons and Dragons. I've been meaning to talk about this for a while, and it wasn't until a question on Facebook that propagated the idea of multi-classing. The question was pertaining to the topic of multi-classing and power gaming, and specifically if there was an association between the two. I posted a survey about it on Instagram and on Twitter to get the audience's opinion on it, and I was very much pleased. So for those of you who did participate in that, thank you very much. Personally, I do not believe that multi-classing is a form of pure power gaming. I believe that one could use multi-classing as a form of power gaming from a mechanical perspective, but to say that power gaming and multi-classing are one and the same or exchangeable, I think that's a flawed argument. I don't think that that's an accurate statement. Remember, the definition of power gaming is the action of maximizing progress towards a specific goal. Most of the time, power gaming is seen with some sort of quote-unquote end goal, like reaching the highest level in a video game and maximizing that process to get there. A great example of this is in the mobile game Pokemon Go. You've, hear, you've heard me talk about it often, and in Pokemon Go, you know, there's a lot of different goals that you can have. Like, you can, if you're not level 40, you can grind for XP and reach that goal. If you want a goal of max shinies or shiny Pokemon in your Pokedex, that could be a goal you grind for. But the way you get there is, you know, it, it can it can be dependent. It could be if it's XP based, then you're going to want to maximize XP. It's, you're going to want to maximize how you attain, you know, experience points. That's power gaming. It's not a bad thing. It's just what it is. I'll be doing an episode um, on power gaming later in the future, but for now, power gaming isn't really as applicable in the traditional sense to a game like Dungeons & Dragons. Since Dungeons & Dragons is a storytelling game and it's based on that collaborative storytelling aspect, the f- you know there, there really isn't a focus on power gaming as much as story, story mechanics, Obviously, there's combat mechanics, but 5th edition specifically isn't really about the mechanics as much as it is about the character and the story itself. So, with all that being said, I believe that multi-classing has some really major benefits in Dungeons & Dragons. It can provide your table with the following. It can provide your table with progression in the overall storyline or campaign. There's opportunity for specific character development, and mechanically, it's pretty much fun. It's pretty much fun for everyone who wants to uh, take part in it. So first and foremost, I believe that if the DM or game master would present to a player the choice and or the ability to multiclass, it would or at least has the potential to progress the overall storyline. This is because... When the Dungeon Master introduces um, this sort of advancement or opportunity, they're introducing a part of the story that may 
or may not have been pursued otherwise. And let me present an idea or a scenario rather. Let's pretend that there is a particular rogue in your group who is piquing the interest of the god of trickery. Their deeds and their actions have given kind of praise to this god of trickery and has made them catch your, you know, catch their eye or their deeds rather have caught their eye. So this god or this patron, this deity, whatever you want to say, starts to think about it and starts to ponder whether or not to lend some of their powers to this rogue. And when they make that decision, they contact the rogue through some maybe divine dream or whatever and present the opportunity. Obviously, the player can choose whether or not they go for this, you know, go for this or not. But if they do, you just solidified a power with a god, whether it's a contract or an oath or a patron, whatever it may be. You start, you know, now you're starting to incorporate the gods into your story, which maybe at that point you haven't done. And even if you did, you're introducing the god of trickery. Maybe, you know, you're calling out a specific deity and now there's a bunch of story hooks that can be uh, entertained, a bunch of plot lines that can be created and you can really explore it. You could really explore that, you know, variable and that line of thought. So with all that being said, it would be up to the player to accept, but the player has now this cool ability that they can explore and it opens up a world of possibilities because of this new variable. So when a DM introduces a variable into a game like that, it adds a whole new level of inspiration and story to pursue as players. Now, from the player perspective, and along those same lines, I believe that multiclassing offers character development that's unique and special to those PCs. So you can multiclass in every game that you play ever in your life in Dungeons and Dragons, and it's going to be unique. It's going to be a case where a player is going to choose to embark on a multi-class adventure, and it's going to be for a different reason every time. I personally see this, and again, this is just my opinion. I personally see this as two approaches. A player can always, you know, multi-class because they develop during the game and during the campaign, or they are bringing objects or stories or quirks whatever it may be from their backstory for the first part that's more of the traditional sense right they typically multi-class because something during the campaign has affected them that has now made them or wanted them to progress in this manner so you see oftentimes where a fighter um who is essentially dabbling in the divine or dabbling in some other form of xyz then you know grows and, and starts to kind of develop in that way it could be the opposite regarding from the backstory the backstory portion or the backstory approach as i, I, I can call it and i, and I kind of like to call it is when a player is grabbing quirks or hobbies from the players from that character backstory and they're using it to explore it a little bit more. So for example, let's say that a player is um, playing as a paladin who their oath was the oath of conquest, right? And they were essentially um, 
in, in that backstory, maybe they were um, trained in warfare because they had to. That that was part. That it almost was like part of their heritage to conquer and to do all these things, and therefore warfare was to be practiced. But let's say that that character actually doesn't, you know, necessarily like fighting in that way. Maybe their true passion is the arts. So this paladin now starts to explore, um, you know, art and starts to pick up different instruments and they can see where they don't have to do harm, but they can now, you know, do, you know, they can still fight but not cause as much damage or do whatever, or they can fight in a different way using the arts. So again, mechanically speaking, that's, you know, Paladin Bard. But from a story perspective, that player just pulled something, you know, a tiny little detail, right? It could have been anything from, oh, my my Paladin loves music or loves the arts or loves this. And now they're pulling that tiny little quirk or that tiny, you know, that maybe small hobby or whatever. Just it could have just been a random thought. And now they have the opportunity to explore it fully and to have challenges presented to them in a way that was different. You know, instead of the traditional, a lot of times, traditionally speaking, paladins are kind of brought to um, a, a certain point where it's going to make them break their oath or not. You, As a DM, you always, you know. At least what I've experienced is, experienced rather is that dungeon masters have brought up this notion of, oh, I'm just going to like, you know, bring this opportunity to either make or break this oath. You know, this just this just gives you another opportunity to say, hey, you know what, my my character is not going to break their oath, or I'm not going to have my this you know these characters, you know, break their oaths or break their vows or whatever it may be. I'm going to present a whole different challenge and therefore develop that character in a unique and more balanced way. And lastly, I spoke about the fun that you can have. Well, I think the big, the biggest benefit is having fun, right? The table and the party should always have fun. If you as a party member, as a player are having fun, then that, then you've achieved your goal. If multi-classing is going to allow you to have fun, perfect, great, no problem. And if you are in agreement with the whole party that everyone's cool with multi-classing and everyone is, you know, fine with it and again continues to have fun, no problem. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. So, as always, I try to implement, you know, that general rule of just having fun at your table. But in addition to that, I always like to talk about the practicality, right? I want you all to feel practical and feel like you are gaining practical value and knowledge from me. So what I'm going to say is this. First and foremost, talk to your players. Be open about it. Make sure that your players are giving you a reason for their decision if they choose to multi-class and just have an open line of communication. You always want to make sure that everyone at the table is in agreement with one another about all the things that you do anyway. So first and foremost, keep that open line of communication going, but talk about it and talk to them and be open to hearing suggestions as a player and as a DM and listen to where you as a player or DM can weave those opportunities into your game. And if you're a player, you know, and if you want to multi-class, don't be afraid of speaking to your DM or your GM and presenting this idea. Remember, you're not, 
you're, you're not coming at it from a convincing situation, but you just want to reveal to them why your character feels that they should, you know, take this path and how they should approach the situation. It's going to be better in the long term. So again, showcase what your players go or what the character is going through. Explain to them why you think that it would be befitting for that occasion to happen. And again, have an open line of communication. I can't say it enough. Have an open line of communication. Talk to one another. You know, be open about those ideas with the players and with everyone at the table. Well, that's it, folks. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, and follow us on social media. Stay tuned to the next episode, and as always, keep gaming.